This is Jack Woods, host of Puck Talk, co-host of Slapshot 615, and feature writer for Penalty Box Radio, and you're listening to Outside Smashville with Sam Fleming. December chill is in the air. Hockey is in full swing across the country. The holidays are just upon us. And that means it's time for another episode of the Outside Smashville podcast. Welcome into episode number three of Outside Smashville. I am your host, Sam Fleming, contributor and broadcaster for Penalty Box Radio, led in by a fellow friend at Penalty Box Radio, Jack Woods, uh, the host of Puck Talk on the DePaul Student Radio Network, uh, co-host of Slapshot 615, his podcast on Penalty Box Radio with Danielle Danena, and he also writes some great articles for Penalty Box Radio, wrote a great one on the situations going on with NHL coaches lately and Robert Bortuzzo. You should make sure to check that out on Penalty Box Radio. Uh, It was a great article and I really enjoyed reading it. And hey, we might even be having Jack on over the holidays here on Outside Smashville. So very excited to have that possibly and some other great guests for some great holiday episodes coming up uh, to make your holidays a little bit more enjoyable hockey wise. <laughs> no, just jokes aside. But um, thank you so much for all of the support on Outside Smashville episodes uh, one and two. We talked about some really great topics. And uh, if you haven't heard them yet, I encourage you to do so on SoundCloud. And again, thank you for all the support from everyone at Penalty Box Radio from the fans to everybody who works on the staff, whether it be here on Outside Smashville or on the Predators previews and recaps I do for Penalty Box Radio as well. I've really enjoyed all of your feedback as well. And appreciate everyone who participated in my poll and discussion on Twitter at SamFleming10. You can follow me there as well. I always like to post some good thoughts on the NHL, the Predators, and hockey in general. But do we have a really cool episode this week? Two great topics I'm excited to discuss. Uh, We'll be talking about the New Jersey Devils. They've had a struggle to start this season. They made a change at the head coaching position. Uh, One of their top players in Taylor Hall is in the trade rumors as of late. And there's another name that I want to touch on that I think could be in the trade rumors for the Devils come the trade deadline as they could be looking into going to more into a serious rebuild uh, than they already have been. But the first topic is one that I was fortunate enough to be a part of for a day and something that that I thought was great for the city of Nashville and great for college hockey, especially the women's college hockey game. The Country Classic Women's College Hockey Tournament that was here on November 29th and 30th. And I've got to say, what a fantastic experience and how cool that was to see four of the top teams in women's college hockey come to town and see the great crowd that was there, whether if they traveled or just Nashville hockey fans in the area. I had a blast doing stats with George Matarangas on that for day one. But 
I don't really want to discuss stats. I more want to discuss the experience, the teams that were there, and just what this means for the future of women's college hockey and maybe college hockey in the Nashville area um, because I thought that Fordyce Center Bellevue and the Predators did a great job putting this together and it was a fun experience for everyone who got to go. So the four teams that were there, you have the number one ranked team in the country, the Minnesota Golden Goat. Gophers, uh, the defending national champions, and number two ranked Wisconsin Badgers, uh, the number six Boston College Eagles, and then the Harvard Crimson, who were just inside the top ten uh, not too long ago. They fell out, unfortunately, before the tournament was still. It was great to see these four teams come to the Nashville area because it made for a great tournament and some great games. And let me tell you, the goaltending was fantastic from all four teams. I thought all four goalies did a spectacular job. Uh, I remember Lindsey Reed for Harvard made over 50 saves against West. Wisconsin. She really kept Harvard in that game. But again, Wisconsin showed why they're the defending national champions. I was watching that team on Friday, and they had so much good puck movement, so much good awareness as well. They're very fluid moving the puck. I will, I will tell you, they didn't make a lot of bad passes in that game, but it shows why they're one of the best teams in women's college hockey. And it made for a great game to see the top team, one of the top teams in the country, and the defending national champions. And I saw, heard a lot of the crowd doing oohs and ahs throughout the game. Uh, it was impressive to watch. But credit to Harvard. Uh, they did a really good job in their matchup with Wisconsin with Lindsey Reed in net because they were in it until the very end. It was 2-1 to one midway through the third period, even though they were being outshot by 30-plus shots during that game. And I'll tell you the first game of the tournament in Minnesota and Boston College was thrilling as well. You know, Minnesota, the number one ranked team, Boston College, a bit of an underdog. They come out and get the first goal of the game with a shorthanded goal. Minnesota comes back and ties it shortly after. And then Boston College gets another shorthanded goal. So it's 2-1 to one Boston College late in that game. And then Minnesota gets a power play goal. It ends in a 2-2 two two tie uh, by NCAA rule. They play an overtime period, and then it will end in a tie. There was There's no shootout that counts, even though they did a sudden-death shootout, which saw Boston College win the sudden-death shootout. It still counts as a tie on the record books, but that was my experience on day one from those games. But what an awesome crowd. And I've got to applaud everyone who was there at Ford Ice Center Bellevue. You guys did a great job cheering on those girls, and it was very much fun to see how the crowd got into it, how everyone got excited when a rush happened, and what a great venue to host it at. I mean, Ford Ice Center Bellevue just recently opened in October, and those stands were packed, and there were people standing in the standing room only. Uh, they had that draft picks bar up and going, a lot of people up there. It was also cool because they had a travel girls hockey tournament uh, going on at the rink two next door while the college hockey tournament was going on. So the girls that weren't playing were coming over to watch their idols play, which I thought was really cool and well planned out for the country classic, not only to have NCAA division 
Division I women's teams there, but also have the future players of the NCAA Division I's live, um, women's le- level playing in a travel hockey tournament, which made for a great recruiting opportunity for those four schools uh, to maybe see some future talent because it was a lot of really good teams from the travel level. The uh, girls' junior predators were over there, uh, the Dallas junior stars, and the St. Louis junior blues, just to name a couple teams in the area. So that was really cool to see that both uh, women's college hockey and the next le- or the level just below in uh, girls travel hockey, which was really cool. I watched some of that tournament and those girls were pretty good as well. But here's what I wanted to discuss about um, the country classic. First off, I really hope they bring that back next year. Uh, maybe they, they'll change up the teams and bring some more of the top teams in for next year's ranking, but I thought it was a really well-done tournament, and it was great to have NCAA college hockey come to Nashville with how well the Predators have grown the game here. Youth hockey's growing. Girls hockey's growing in the area as well. Um I hope they bring back uh, women's Division I college hockey to the Nashville area and Ford Ice Center Bellevue because the crowds were spectacular, the hockey being played was phenomenal, and it was really well done by Ford Ice Center Bellevue and the Predators. The other thing... I I think women's college hockey deserves more respect. I know more people, you see men's college hockey on TV more. I think that if you get the chance to go see a women's college hockey game, whether you're on the road or it's in a neutral site city where there's a tournament, you have got to go see them play because all four teams put on a great show for the crowd. They're fans that traveled to Nashville. I thought it was really cool to see the teams go to the Preds Golden Knights game then on that Wednesday and spend Thanksgiving in the area. They had a great time. All the girls were just very excited to be there. I thought it was very funny too. Um, we had our alumni game for Franklin Hume Fogg BGA before Boston College and Wisconsin's game on Saturday. I didn't get to work the tournament on Saturday, unfortunately, but I did get to play in the uh, the alumni game. And one of our coaches went down and made this coast-to-coast move and put it five-hole, and the Boston College girls started banging on the glass in excitement. And then I go down there, and I score a goal, and they go bang even louder. So they were getting excited over an alumni game. Um, but that was really cool to see how much fun they had. Some of the pregame uh, warm-up uh, rituals were really funny. Boston College, before the game, they started their line, and they started doing chest bumps all the way down the line. A couple of the Minnesota girls, they'd flip a puck up and see which helmet it fell off backwards. I thought that was really cool to see. But they had a really good time, but they took it seriously when it got to the ice, and they played really good hockey. Four great games out there by both, uh, by all four teams, and it was fun to watch. And I thought it was really cool how they gave them uh, Predators jerseys with the number nineteen and then their school's name on the back. And uh, really appreciate all the support of the coverage on Penalty Box Radio. And again, George Matarangas for letting me do stats, Abigail Martin and Danielle Denena for letting me come on and do a day one recap. They did a great job covering the tournament as well. Uh, you didn't miss a beat with them if you followed them on Twitter. Uh, they did a great job with post-game interviews. It was also really cool to see the head coach of Wisconsin is uh, Mark Johnson. You might remember that name. 
he was part of the 1980s miracle team that won the gold medal in Lake Placid. So some hockey history and hockey royalty in Nashville. Abigail Martin had a great interview with him uh, post-game on day two. If you haven't seen it, I would go watch it. It was really cool to hear what Mark Johnson had to say about hockey in general and women's hockey as well, the head coach of Wisconsin. But I really do hope they bring the Country Classic back. Whether it's these four same teams or some different teams, I definitely want to see women's college hockey back in the area. And props to you, the crowd, as I said, for coming out to support those girls. It was really fun to be a part of. And who knows? Maybe they even try to get like a men's college hockey tournament, whether that be at like Bridgestone Arena or if they can try to get it to Ford Ice Center Bellevue, that would be cool. And maybe a potential shot at the Frozen Four at Bridgestone Arena because this tournament, it almost felt like a Frozen Four when those teams were playing each other. So props to Boston College, Harvard, Minnesota, and Wisconsin for putting on a great show. Um, and coming to Nashville over the holidays, uh, Thanksgiving week, week, they did a great job coming down, and they put on a great show for the fans to watch. So again, just my thoughts on the Country Classic. It was a great time. But coming up after the break, I want to talk about the New Jersey Devils and Taylor Hall's rumors about him possibly being shipped out. Who are the teams that are interested? You'll find out that and more here on the Outside Smashville podcast. Hate to say it, but the uh, New Jersey Devils really haven't been running with the devil to start this season, as Van Halen would say. Uh, might get some backlash over saying that, but in truth, it is correct. The Devils have been off to a really surprisingly slow start. They've made some changes at the leadership helm, and could they be looking to shop some of their top players? We'll discuss that here on the second segment of episode number three of the Outside Smashville podcast. Again, thanks for joining us here on Penalty Box Radio. I'm your host, Sam Fleming, and thanks for all the support so far on all the content I've been able to produce with Penalty Box Radio throughout this year. But I want to talk about the Devils. They sit 30th out of 31 teams currently in the NHL, just five points ahead of the Detroit Red Wings for the basement. Uh, they sit at 9-14-4, 22 points, and on a three-game losing streak. They come to Nashville on Saturday. Uh, a return of a former Predator player, actually technically two former Predators players. One was a rental last season, but um, the big one will be P.K. Subban coming back to town after being traded this offseason, and uh, Wayne Simmons comes back for the Devils as well. But this team, it's kind of hard to put into words 
because they've been in this rebuild for a long time, it seems like, since they lost guys like Zach Parise and Elia Kovalchuk that led them to a Stanley Cup Finals in 2012. Uh, they got some big assets. Nico Heischer was the first overall pick in the 2017 draft for the Devils. Uh, they added Taylor Hall in, 2000, in the summer of 2016. Uh, he really did a phenomenal job, won a league MVP with New Jersey. Um, and then they added Jack Hughes in the offseason as they got the first overall pick once again. P.K. Subban comes over in that mega trade, mainly made for uh, cap space for Nashville to sign Matt Duchesne. They added Wayne Simmons in the offseason. Had guys like Kyle Palmieri still on the team. Um, but it just hasn't been there for the Devils. And a team that I really thought could it at the most be pushing for a wild card position. They'd be in playoff contention is now looking at another potential high draft pick and continuing the rebuild and possibly shipping some of their top pieces out. Uh, so let's get into what's happened for the Devils. Uh, they fired their head coach, John Hines, not too long ago. Elaine Nat Nazardine took over as their interim head coach, as it's just not been all um, smiles and roses, to say the least, for the Devils, and they haven't been hot at all this season. Uh, their big acquisition in the offseason in P.K. Subban, only five points in 27 games played and is a minus 12, and he was brought in to be their number one defenseman. Um, and then the other guy is Taylor Hall. Now, Hall still leads the team in scoring with 22 points, but he only has four goals on the season. And by Taylor Hall standards, that's not good because Hall's normally nor known as a top goal scorer on the teams that he plays for. And we finally saw when he got traded to New Jersey, him show why he was the number one overall pick by the Oilers in the 2010 draft. And he did pretty well, leading the Devils back to the playoffs. But since then, it just hasn't been the best. Hall is in the last year of a contract at a $6 million cap hit, and it's been reported by Elliot Friedman that the Devils are listening to offers for Taylor Hall. And he's 28 years of age, but any team in the NHL right now would be dying to have Taylor Hall in their lineup. So five teams that Friedman have pointed that are very interested, and I know there's more, they all interest me. The Colorado Avalanche, the Dallas Stars, the Arizona Coyotes, the St. Louis Blues, and a potential return to the Edmonton Oilers. I've also heard the Predators are interested as well, but I want to talk about the five teams he mentioned. If he goes to any of these five teams, look out. The Western Conference could have a super team being built. If it's the Colorado Avalanche, and they've already got McKinnon, Rantanen, Landeskog, Kadri, Burakovsky, Donskoy, Kale McCarr on the point, Eric Johnson, Sam Girard, Grubauer, and Nett, and you stick Taylor Hall on that team, you might as well kiss the Central Division title goodbye. Because that team will dominate with how much potential um, they have for an offensive firepower show. I mean, Colorado has gotten better since they moved on from Duchesne. Now, I'm not saying they're going to walk the division, 
but they will be tough to beat in the Central Division. And Colorado just continues to get better and better. And if they add Taylor Hall, even if it's a rental, they might instantly become cup favorites. The Dallas Stars, they've been strong with you know some top players and some depth guys really taking off this season. They've got Sagan, Ben, and Radulov. Rope Hintz has been a bright spot. Klinberg and Haskinen have been really good on the points. Ben Bishop and Nett. If they add Hall, I think they could push seriously in the Central Division, but it's still going to be tough to beat the Colorado Avalanche with McKinnon having as great a year and McCarr having as good a year as they've had um, and many more players. Uh, but I think that would add some good talent to the Stars, some more young players. They did get a little older in the offseason, adding Pavelski and Perry and Sakara for some veteran leadership. But a guy that's in the prime of his career could make for a good playoff run for the Dallas Stars. Uh, the St. Louis Blues, also in the Central Division. Um, that one would be scary, too. They don't have Vladimir Tarasenko possibly until the playoffs. They've done well without him, with guys like Schwartz stepping up, Perron has stepped up, Ryan O'Reilly continues to play well, uh, they've had Alex Petrangelo chip in from the defensive side, he's put up some goals this year. I think adding Taylor Hall would make sense for Craig Berube's side, because without Tarasenko on the wing, who knows how long this strong form lasts into the season for the Blues. Could they get a little bit tired? Could their depth players not perform as well? Who knows? Bringing in a star guy like Taylor Hall could definitely help them in their push for a Stanley Cup title defense. Um, the other team, the Arizona Coyotes. Now, they've had a really good start in the Pacific Division. And let me say, the Coyotes really don't have a team full of superstars. Sure, they have guys like Phil Kessel, Clayton Keller, Oliver ekman Larson on that team. But those are the three names that really come to mind. It's Nick Schmaltz has really stepped up for this team. Uh, Carl Soderberg has done a great job. Derek Stefan, quietly good. Darcy Kemper's been really good. Jacob Chikrin's been solid on the point for the Coyotes as well. They don't really have a lot of star players on that team that are known in the NHL. But it, could you imagine Taylor Hall going to the Coyotes? I think, to me, of the five teams he listed, that's the most logical fit. The question is, do the Coyotes have the assets to give up to bring Hall in and possibly look at re-signing him long-term? I don't know. But it would be a good push, I think, for the Coyotes if they really want to contend for the Pacific Division title and make a run in the playoffs and continue this great start they've had. The other team is within their division is the team he was drafted by, the Edmonton Oilers. And to me, that would make the Oilers even more scarier. Could you imagine a line? McDavid, Dreisaitl, Hall. That would just be so much fun to watch with those, uh, with those three playing together. But if you have to ask me, of those five teams, I, I really think the Arizona Coyotes is the most logical place for him to go. Because he could be the star player there, and he could definitely take that team with guys like Kessel and Keller through a decent run in the playoffs. And as I mentioned, you know, I know this is outside Smashville, but I do want to touch on there has been rumors the Predators are interested in moving in for Taylor Hall as well. 
the question is, what do you give up for Hall? I read some rumor thing, and I don't know if this is true, that there was talk Kelly Yarncrock and Dante Fabro. I would absolutely not do that deal. Fabro's your best future defensive prospect here for the Predators, and Yarncrock has had a great season. I've read some rumors, maybe Turris and Tolvin in for a first. I might be interested in that, but I, I think it's going to be hard for the Predators. They've got to really come up with what they want to do asset-wise because I think some of these teams really have some assets they'd be willing to give up for Taylor Hall. And again, I think most teams will be looking to do a sign-and-trade deal so he signs on for the long term and it becomes a really good investment. But if you have to ask me of the five teams Elliott Friedman listed, I think the Arizona Coyotes, in my opinion, is the more logical fit for Hall because he can really take his talents there, be a star player with the team, have guys like Kessel and Keller and Ekman Larson around. I think it adds to the depth of Rick Tockett's system and I think the Coyotes would be very happy to give up some decent assets uh, to bring in a guy like Taylor Hall. The other name that I would not be shocked if the Devils look to move, and I know he was just traded there as P.K. Subban. And you might say, why? They just put in this big haul of a couple prospects and AHL players, some draft picks. Why would they move P.K. Subban? Let me be honest with you, I like PK a lot and what he does off the ice, and he's a great community guy. Um, he did some great things in Nashville. He played pretty well in Nashville as well. But I, I just don't think the good hockey player, the Norris Trophy winning defenseman that was PK Subban, the play level is still not is not there anymore. I haven't seen PK as good since post that President's Trophy season. Last season was a bit of a struggle in Nashville. He had some injury issues. He just couldn't really stay healthy. And and I think he's gotten a little bit distracted, if you want to ask me personally, off the ice with all he's doing, which is great to see he's doing great things for the community. But I think hockey has almost become the farthest thing from his mind. But I don't think that's really the issue here. I think he's stuck on a team that's deeply in a rebuild that really he can't succeed on. He just really hasn't been able to get anything going. Like I said, five points, two goals, three assists, and 27 games played. You usually see P.K. Subban in double-digit points by this time in the year. And I think, unfortunately, and he's the top-pairing defenseman there in New Jersey, where in Nashville he was the number-two-pairing defenseman for most of his time. I just don't think the deal worked the way we, most people thought. You know, I think a lot of people thought him and Taylor Hall could do a lot of good things, him and Jack Hughes, him and Nico Heischer, but it just hasn't worked like I think all Devils fans thought it would and most people in the league thought it would. Um, who could Subban move to? I really don't know. And it's just, it's an interesting question that's up for debate. The problem is, he's 30 years old, he's not been playing his best, and he's got a $9 million cap hit. So, what team will be willing to take on that contract for PK 
if the Devils do decide to move him, I think after this year he's got like two more seasons left on that contract that he signed back in Montreal. But is Subban possibly getting ready to be moved again is up in the air. I don't know. He could be a good guy for the leadership there of the rebuild if he's willing to stay. But if you're the Devils, you'd much rather use that $9 million if Subban's continuing to struggle and try to sign some assets that can produce uh, and possibly try to build around guys like Hughes and Heischer for years to come. That's just my opinion. I don't know if the Devils will pull the trigger before the deadline. I could see it happening again this summer. But um, again, it's tough to see PK struggle like this because you want him to succeed. Again, he was a great guy for the Nashville community. I thought he did have some great moments in a Predators jersey. Um, He really helped that team in that Stanley Cup Finals run in 2016 and 17 and in their President's Trophy season. But he just hasn't been the same since then. And uh, you wonder what the Preds, uh, what the Devils are going to do. Are they going to hold on to him and hope it improves? Or are they going to look to move him like Taylor Hall? So um, that's just my thoughts on the Devils. Um, and again, I had my thoughts on the Country Classic Women's College Hockey Tournament. I appreciate you guys tuning in here to Episode 3 of the Outside Smashville Podcast. Tomorrow, make sure to look out for a preview of the Predators and Devils matchup from the Bridgestone Arena uh, tomorrow night at at um in smashville so i will have a preview for that coming up and again thanks for tuning in to episode three of the outside smashville podcast and happy holidays